Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this. I think this is our seventh week that we've been doing this. And every week we try to get better. I'm someone who sadly sometimes is never satisfied with where I am personally. And so I want to keep growing. And so we want to always get better at things we're doing. So thank you for your giving too, that we can keep doing this every week. There's a guy named Victor Frankel. He was an Australian neurologist and psychiatrist. And he was also a Holocaust survivor. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he tells a story of how he survived the Holocaust by finding personal meaning in the experience, which gave him the will to live through such a horrible thing. And he went on later to establish a school of existential therapy called logotherapy based on the premise that man's underlying motivator in life is a will for meaning. And he said this, by having a clear why, I can face all the how questions in my life. Frankel's why was his wife. While he was in that concentration camp, he kept thinking of his wife. And he wanted to live for his wife. And he found the strength to stay alive. And he said that he saw the people that died. They had nothing to live for. Those were the quickest ones to die in the concentration camp. So his will to live was for his wife. So the question today is, what is your why? Why do you live? Who do you live for? Because when you know that, the how just naturally falls into place. My why is the Lord Jesus Christ. I live for him, and he gives me the how once I focused on him. And sadly, as Frankel says, the ones that die quickest are the ones that don't know their why. So if you don't know your why today, I want you to know him. His name is Jesus Christ. He's our Lord, our Savior. He's the one that gives us hope. He is our hope. Everything we need is found in him. So today we're talking about the hope to cope in times of trouble. And we're going to talk about hopelessness and this psalm. I think is a great roadmap to get us recalibrated, as I said. Now, the psalmist, we don't know who it is specifically, but we know he had a clear why, because he is in a cave, basically, and he's detached from society. It might have been while he was running away from the enemy, while they were in captivity. I don't, we don't know, but we do know that he was hopeless, he spoke to his soul, and he regained hope. So what does that all mean? So let's go through this together, how to cope through hopelessness. And the first thing you got to do is you got to remember the good. You got to remember the good times. I'm not talking about the good times, you know, like in the 70s, good, that wasn't good times, you know, for me. I'm talking about the good times you've had with the Lord. And you have to remember as all things, 
this time, if it's not good, shall pass. We're not going to be quarantined forever. We have to stay focused on the why. And like I said, my why is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has me on a journey. I start off by saying I like results. I'm always trying to get better. The things I miss sometimes because I'm in the middle of my own cave is I miss that the why is what God's doing now. And he wants to draw me closer to him. And he allows these valleys to come into my life to remind me I can't live without Jesus. My why keeps me focused. And my how is to keep this church going. I want to keep this church going. And what I mean by that is, obviously, it's the Lord's church. But how means that we gather in my living room now. The how then becomes, how do we keep the church going? And this is how we're doing it right now. But if I didn't have a why, the how would never happen. My why is to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and preach the gospel to give people hope. As long as I focus on that, the how will naturally happen. So that's what I'm talking about. Paul the Apostle even knew this. He was in prison. If not for the prison, half the New Testament wouldn't have been written. Most of the New Testament was written from a prison. Think about that. So here's what I want to tell you too. If you feel like you're in a prison right now, write, read, learn, focus, worship. Do the things that you might not have done before because you didn't have the time. And now you have all the time in the world, maybe. So don't miss the why. Keep focused on the Lord. Paul says it this way in Romans 5. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, most people think times of trouble are just a thing to endure. Paul saw it as a thing to rejoice in because it brings hope. Think about it. When do you feel closest to God? For me, it's when things aren't going too well because I want to be close to God then. When things are going really good, I'm like, oh, I don't need God. It's when things aren't going as well. So that's knowing your why. God allows these troubles to deepen my why in my life. So the psalmist begins by writing about the good things he remembers in verse 4, where he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. So what is it he remembers and what is it he misses the most? Church, the house of God. What do you miss the most? I told you, I miss you. I miss our church gatherings, corporate gatherings. I miss being in the house of God with you. So again, my why 
is going to keep me focused on the how. And we'll get through this. We don't know where we're going to be even on the, out of this. We're kind of like in the cave going, okay, when you get out of the cave, would you just move to another cave? I don't know. God knows where we're going. Are you praying for your church? Are you praying for the Lord's leading and direction for our next place to meet? That's important. That's part of your why right now. So the psalmist remembers the good things. And that's what I want you to do. Remember what was good. Remember what you miss. And God will restore those things. Now, the second thing is how to stay hopeful is to talk to your soul. Now, this is an interesting thing. And I've been thinking about it all week because I wish I knew exactly what this means when the psalmist is talking to his soul. I can only kind of do the best I can do. So hopefully I can explain it, but it's important because it's in the scripture. And I think about the movie Cast Away. Remember the movie? Tom Hanks is alone on an island. And who does he befriend? Wilson, who's a volleyball. Wilson, the volleyball. He talks to Wilson all the time. Wilson becomes his best friend. I think some of us are one week away from talking to a volleyball. I heard some people say, I'm already talking to a volleyball. I'm moving on to a basketball. We feel isolated. You know, there's an article I found from the BBC, and it's called Coronavirus, Talking to Yourself in Lockdown, You're Not Alone. Seriously, these are interviews with people who found talking to themselves has helped them. This lady named Kate believes talking to yourself is a really good way of getting through hard times. She found a useful coping strategy when she was struggling with a MRSA infection and she had spent months in the hospital and she started talking to herself and she says these things out loud. She says, this will pass. This isn't that bad. And she said, just hearing those words helped me through. And then she says something important, but speak it out loud so that you hear it out loud because if it stays inside your head, you don't hear it. When it comes out of your mouth, it becomes more tangible in the mind. That's an important thing. That's why the Bible says to praise the Lord and to read the scripture. You know, it's always been, even before the church was born in the Old Testament, they would speak out loud the Torah. They would speak out loud the word of God because it helps you engage better. If you were to go to see a psychiatrist, one of the first things they might ask you is, do you hear voices in your head? Um, I didn't really hear voices in my head, but what I heard was my thoughts. And I thought there were voices, but they were all my thoughts. And they were telling me weird things like, you're not good enough, and you're never going to get better, and this is going to never end, and whatever, you're going to stay isolated. And then you got to tell your thoughts to shut up. And what's the best way to do it? You speak truth to your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5, and this is one of my favorite verses because it helped me through an incredible time of depression. And Paul writes, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And that taking the thought captive means telling it sometimes to shut up. It's not true. Someone wrote, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? 
See, God's word is true. And when you talk truth to yourself, your soul, your soul starts to pep up and come back to life. What do you talk to your soul? Well, you talk scripture because scripture is truth. So let's learn from the psalmist. He writes, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. Now, I don't think, I'm assuming this, but I don't think the psalmist was waiting for his soul to answer him back. It may be rhetorical, like, soul, why are you downcast? Why are you disturbed? Now, first, let's define soul, because this is the part that we have to maybe understand a little better. The Hebrew word, because this is an Old Testament, literally means throat. Comes from the root word throat. So what would come through your throat? Well, air, food, everything that gives you life, right? In fact, when God made Adam, it says that he breathed life into him. And that word is the same word here. So our life is in our soul. It's the part that thinks, that feels. It's the part that experiences pain, grief. It's the part that experiences the rushing of joy and excitement. It's the part that has probably been hurt and rejected and abandoned. It's the part that seeks to be loved and appreciated. The part that seeks for answers and for truth. So it's your true self. When I hear sometimes, and maybe you've heard this, accounts of people who have been on their deathbed and they come back from their deathbed. And some people say that they saw themselves from above. There was a guy in the early 20th century. He was a doctor. His name was Dr. McDougall. And he did an experiment where he would weigh people after they died. And he would take into account the natural loss of weight by fluids and things like this. But he would notice a similarity of the weight before they died and after they had died. And it always came up to 21 grams. And so his theory was that the soul weighed 21 grams. But here's the point. The soul is the part that leaves your body to go to be with Jesus. In fact, in Revelation, John the Apostle sees the vision of God's throne, and he sees under the throne the souls of those who had been martyred for their faith. So what does the psalmist write? So if your soul longs for meaning, he writes, and he starts the whole psalm with a very famous verse that says, read it with me, as the deer pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And one of the good things about psalms and songs is you sing them out loud and it engages in your soul. So there's an older song that I want to share with you and it's written in Old English. So it's kind of a little weird that way. But it was one of my favorite songs when I first became a Christian. I mean, the melody was so endearing, but it's actually straight out of Scripture. So let's sing it. We just read it, so let's sing it. As the deer pant 
searcheth for. The water, so my soul longeth after thee. And you alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit lead. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Let's sing as the deer again. As the deer panted for. The water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship Thee. You feel the calm of the presence of the Lord. That's what we need to do more of and less of panicking and freaking out and more about worshiping. And so the psalmist shows us, talk to your soul. Talk to who you are. And what do you do? Well, first you ask probing questions. According to the psalmist, you ask, soul, why are you downcast? And the word means depressed. Soul, why are you depressed? Soul. Why are you disturbed? You know, after my father passed away to be with Jesus, I went into denial, and I didn't want to be interrupted by grief. I wanted to move on past it. Well, here's what I want to tell you what I've learned. Grief is going to take its course with or without you. I would encourage you, to flow with grief and not against it. Like if you go out to the ocean and you try to fight against the oceans, the waves, it keeps pushing you back. If you dive under them and just go under them, you're going with them now and not against them. So grief has stages. And I want to tell you, and some may not know this, but this pandemic And the quarantine time has put people into grief. We have to admit this. We can't just push it aside because it's happening. It's the truth. Well, there's different stages of grief. Here's five of them. The first stage is denial. That's the stage I wanted to stay in. Don't stay there because you'll never get out of it. So when this thing hit, 
you went into denial. This can't be happening. I live in America. You know, things can't shut down. I can't. I want to go to Starbucks. You know, I want to go to the gym. You know, I want to go to church. You, things don't shut down in America. So you're in denial. Then the next stage, you get really angry. It's like, this can't be happening. This isn't fair. Why is this happening? Then you start bargaining. And here's the part where you start to go, man, if only this, or what if that, and what if this, and I'm going to tell you this, what ifs get in the way of your what now. If you stick in the what if, you're not going to do what now. Then the next stage is the depression and the sadness, which is a good thing. You got to get through it. Then the last stage is acceptance. Hey, this is, I can't change this. You know, some of the most joyful people I know are willing to accept where they are and not like it, but accept it. You can accept it and not necessarily like it. You can say, I can't control this. And that's normal. And then you go out of it and you go, you know what? Things are different, right? Things are different. It changes your life. And then you start to have a new normal. Things aren't the same as before. They're just different. And that's your new normal. When people have sickness, and they might get over it, but there's some things that stay there, some uh, underlying causes that stay there for a while, that's your new normal for a while. And someone would tell me, well, that's your new normal. That's the way it is. Now, I didn't necessarily like it, but after a while, what I do go, man, like today I experienced a lot more good things that I felt better about than yesterday. And then you kind of go, oh, okay, this isn't that bad. So that's why in two weeks, I'm going to start a series called A New Normal. What to expect when this is over. And I'm basing it on the book of Acts because talk about a new normal. Everything changed. The way the spirit work changed. I mean, the church was born. Everything changed. So we're going to talk about that because I think, and a great revival happened. And I think that new normal is going to be a huge revival. Seeds are being planted even now in isolation. That's the why and the how and to keep us hopeful. So you ask questions. Why am I depressed? Why are you feeling sad today? Why are you angry? Why are you lashing out? Why are you feeling insecure, soul? The point is, you might not get the answer, but the point is you're starting to talk about important things with yourself, with your real self. But here's the key. You can't stay there. What you do now is you speak hopeful statements. So you ask probing questions, but you got to speak hopeful statements. That's why the psalmist writes, why am I so are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he doesn't stay there. He says, put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior, my God. What is he doing? He's speaking truth to the depression. He's speaking truth to the anxiety. He's speaking truth to the fear. So this is what I don't want you to think. It's not like normal people go, oh, we'll go meditate. They meditate on worse things. Meditate on the word of God, the truth of God. So here's an example. And you can put your name there. David, why are you depressed today? Why are you anxious? 
Put your hope in God. Praise him. God is my salvation, my rock, my sufficiency, my deliverer, my shelter, my hope, my fortress, my song, my grace, my healing, my protector, my provider. And you just start speaking truth to your soul. And then you become like the psalmist who comes out of the cave. The people that get this the most are long-distance runners. I run about 27 to 30 miles a week, but that's a week. There's some people that run on a marathon, that's 26 miles. Now you train up to that. You get to six miles and you get that down. And I was just thinking the other day, I'm going, man, I'm at five miles. I don't want to go anymore. But even in my five miles, I don't want to go to two miles sometimes. And I start talking to myself going, no, we're going. (laughs) I'm going with or without you. We're going because this keeps me focused. I got to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to get really depressed. So you start talking to yourself to keep going. You're talking to your soul. That song that we sang earlier is a perfect example. 10,000 reasons. He's saying, soul, these are 10,000 reasons why we need to bless the Lord. And he's telling his soul, bless the Lord. I want to just sing the chorus of that with you, a cappella, which means without music, without piano. Here's why I want to do this. Because I think earlier when you sang it, you didn't engage this way. You didn't think about you were telling your soul to bless the Lord. So let's sing it again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. So you're telling your soul, sing like never before. Oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. And you're praising God and you're telling your soul to worship God and you're speaking hopeful statements into your soul. That's what worship does. And one of the saddest things that I ever see as a pastor is the people who show up after the worship because they come for the sermon. But I'm telling you, if you come to worship with that attitude and with that motivation, the sermon's going to be a lot better because you've already prepared your soul to receive more truth. That's why this is important. And then last, how to cope with hopelessness is think about God's faithfulness. God is so faithful. And that's why the psalmist speaks to a soul, but he speaks to God first. He says, oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, what? I remember you, Lord. So again, he's not only speaking to a soul with truth, now he's speaking to God with honesty and sincerity. That's worship too. That's like, Lord, I don't have it together. I need you. You're my hope. And when you think of God, what do you remember? What do you think of when you think of God? Hopefully you think good things. But I'll tell you what, before I became a Christian, I didn't think good things of God. I thought he was always mad at me. And then when I became a Christian, I felt like a weight had lifted off my shoulder. I was like, man, Jesus loves me. That's incredible. But then what happened? You know, I got into ministry, which was great, but it started to become a job. And I started to lose that sense of joy that I had. It was like more like, oh, I got to work for the Lord. And the work became kind of a burden instead of a joy that I'm helping other people 
and I'm getting refreshed by being with the Lord. So when I first saved, I was like a little kid, and I wanted to hang out with God as much as I could. And as I grew in him and let him work in my life, I had a whole other level of relationship with him and maturity. Guess what? That's how relationships work. The more time you spend with each other, the more you get to know each other. That's what you should be doing right now. Spending more time with God, talking to him more, sharing him more. And then you're going to realize, man, God is so good to me. He is a great God. He's given us everything we need and he has blessed us. And that's what you need to tell your soul. How good God is. Like I said, the psalmist, we shouldn't diminish his grief. He has every right to be grieving. He's in isolation. He's away from his friends. He's away from his family. He's quarantined with social distance guidelines. Apparently nobody's with him. But he still has the hope to cope. Why? Because he remembers his why. Which gives him the how to live. And that's why in verse 8, He writes, by day the Lord commands a steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Is that how you talk to God? Lord, you are the God of my life. Without you, I'd have no life. You have breathed life into my throat. You have given me a new spirit, your spirit. And that's how I can talk your word to my soul that needs healing and caring and Compassion, because maybe your soul's been hurt. Maybe your soul's depressed. But God is there in the cave with you. And he loves you a lot. That's your how. That's how you're going to get through this. That's how you have the hope to cope. Sorry, I wish I could tell you that you can get it through osmosis and you can lay on the Bible at night and all the words just come into your heart. You got to get to know God. And you got to get to know him by his word. And then you got to speak those things to your soul because your soul's dying to hear that. Where are you today? I want to pray for you because I know a lot of people are struggling. My heart goes out to you. So in our prayer, I just want you to let the Holy Spirit minister to you in however he wants. Now, Lord, I just pray you do that now. I don't want to get in the way of it. I don't want to even say what to do at this point. I just want you to do it, Lord. Lord Jesus, send your spirit and minister to these hurting people. Minister to their hopelessness. Draw them into a deeper relationship with you while they're in the cave. Because when we come out of here, Lord, there's going to be a huge revival. It's a new normal. But it's going to be awesome. It's going to be better than the old normal. You're building up your church. You're building our faith. You're growing us from the inside out. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why are you depressed? God is good. God is awesome. He's amazing. And as the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you and your word, oh God of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice 
a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.